What's going on, everybody? It's John Richards, A Cut Above Horror Review, episode number 42. We are talking about Martyrs from 2008. We are back. Hydraberg's feeling good. Jacqueline's feeling good. I'm feeling good. So here we go. Martyrs, 2008, episode 42. Oui, oui, mon chéri. We're going to kick it off right now. We cut my life into pieces. Bonsoir and welcome to a cut above horror review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film Martyrs from 2008. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. Oui, oui. <laughs> I somehow I just knew that was going to happen, yeah. <laughs> considering our past French films and your uh, My juvenile sister. humor. <laughs> and next up, we also have John. What's going on, John? Hello, Jacqueline and Hydraberg. How are you feeling this week, buddy? Everybody good, man. Concerned I'm, about you. I'm back. I'm on the mend. I'm back. Good. Back behind for those the who aren't for those who aren't aware, we we were supposed to cover martyrs last week, but we skipped recording last week because our dear friend Hydraberg unfortunately got into a serious car accident and needed to recover from that. Yeah, it happened early Monday morning. So I just, you know, I texted you guys like, oh, I don't know, can we skip doing the cast? So just so I can just kind of veg out for the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Clear my Absolutely. Mind. I, I wasn't really physically hurt. It was more emotionally. And yeah. Uh, so I lost my Jeep. My Jeep's totaled. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. For Black Betty. But we're, we're both really glad that you were not hurt. Thank goodness. No, and was, neither thanks. was anybody else. Yeah. That's how I've been thinking all week, too. I've been bummed out, but I'm like, you know what? Could have been so much worse. So many other things could have happened. True. So, yeah. Can I say and- something, though, is that that my friends and family that are friends on with me on Facebook, they were asking about you. And how's Hydraberg doing? I want to thank Aww. everybody that reached out on all the socials, uh, Instagram and Facebook and everything, because a couple people DM'd and, you know, because I made that post, too, that was like, hey, just so you guys know, we're not going to be on this week. Sorry, but uh, yeah. So thanks for everybody, you know, checking on us. I appreciate it. I mean, nope. they love you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, we're glad you're okay, and you definitely did not need to be watching and or discussing martyrs on the day of your car accident. I think that, that was more have... what it was too. It wasn't just so, I'm like this movie's so heavy. I'm just not in the mood right now. Like, I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> All um, comment on that one. <laughs> we should have covered Cronenberg's crash instead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should have done that instead. Well, we did get some Cronenberg anyway. Um, So before we launched the podcast last year, we had done several kind of like test episodes Mm -hmm. where we were just kind of getting to know each other and kind of getting the feel for what our format could be like. And so one of those episodes was on the Brandon Cronenberg film Possessor, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what John put up for us. So it's a little rough. It's not as... um, polished i mean i don't know if you want to call us polished now but it's less polished um than where we are now yeah so so if you listen to that episode i hope you enjoyed it but if it sounded a little rough i hope you cut us a little slack the discussion was good Mm -hmm. i think so too i I think so too so i still i still stand by that uh my rating of that movie and my appreciation for it i know not everybody loves it but i do i did Mm mm-hmm 
Yes. Uh, John, how are you doing this week? Mm. My thumb hurts. I I can imagine why. Poor John. He we'll suffered not, a, a we'll not get into it because maybe there'll be a sponsor one day. So we won't talk about Starbucks. <laughs> well, yes. now, you have, now you have to. Fuck Starbucks. God damn, man. My thumb hurts. You want to tell the people what happened? Yeah, I got like almost a third degree burn near my thumb because uh, <laughs> I ordered a green tea and they didn't put the lid on all the way and it spilt and it looks like this shit. It looks like you ordered a venti acid is what it looks like. Yeah, no, it looks like eight to your I, skin. I ordered a vente Cronenberg. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there's some body horror right now happening. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. It looks yeah. like that. Y'all, y'all listening can't see this, but honestly, it looks like there is a chunk of flesh like removed from John's hand. I mean, it is this is a serious injury. It looks like a butthole. I, I mean, that's not like any butthole I've ever seen. But <laughs> if I your mean, butthole look like that, I think you have far more serious you? medical issues. Oh, wait, hold on. You got a you got a bump that's called. Should look at my asshole a little bit. Uh, that's on another <laughs> podcast. That's true. Um, I, I, nobody would want to lick that asshole or hand. <laughs> no. Oh boy. We're going off the rails here. I, well, but let's just say that is an extremely gnarly injury and I am like shocked and very sympathetic to you. I, Can I just say, I, I was in a car accident and somehow I, I have no <laughs> markings on me at all. And you, you have, you spilt a green tea and somehow you look worse than I do. You boys have just really been put through the paces this week. It's yeah. Well, these douchebags did not put the cup or the lid on properly. I just feel like they should really, really be conscientious about that. I feel like the McDonald's lady, you know, when she got like burned on her lap or whatever. And it's like, that's when they decided to Mm -hmm. put content's hot in this thing, but put the lid on it. That's all. Yeah. It's not like you're being stupid if your tea or coffee spills on you because the lid wasn't on. Right. Like, it's not like you're an right. idiot. I mean. But that that's not. Yeah. This injury is not because it just spilt on my thumb. I would have a blister. This is. Maybe. This is where. Maybe they listen to the show and they're like a Rob Zombie fan and they didn't like your. Oh, there it is. Thousand corpses or something. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> they're like this guy didn't like house of a thousand corpses i'm not putting the lid on properly let's get him he got it <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 Dumb man hydroberg how'd you even like slip that in there that's what she said what whoa, whoa jacqueline <laughs> couldn't help myself sorry <laughs> been a couple of weeks huh yeah i just i don't even know what i'm doing anymore so <laughs> anyway shall we move on from y'all's like tragic <laughs> Yeah. Injuries and traumatic incidents. Yeah. Lord, Lord almighty. <clears throat> well, John, do you have any horror news to share with us? I do. I mean, there was a lot going on, but it was just tough to keep up with. Uh, Nick Cage fans, raise your hand. Yeah. Me. All three of us, Nick Cage fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's back in the horror genre. Yay. A movie called Renfield. Oh, oh, I yeah, saw pictures, pictures of that in a magazine this week. Yeah, he's playing Dracula. Yeah, he yes. looks funky too. He you does. saw it, you saw it, Hydra? Yeah, is it like 70s themed, sort of? Or it 
felt like it was, but uh, it's based off the 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 helper of Dracula or yeah. Count Dracula. Right. Uh, Nicholas Holt is going to play Renfield. Oh. Who is that? Uh, Have you seen uh, Mad Max Fury Road? <laughs> yes, but he it was, was several years ago. That, I don't okay. remember. I, he yeah. was the main silver guy that they focused on. They, um, He's been in a lot of movies. Those guys were called. But yeah. he's going to play Renfield. Actually, Nicolas Cage is going to play Count Dracula. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he looks like a 70s in... Hammer film. Yes, like I think I agree with that. But like the makeup looks really good. Like it's very pale and then his mouth is kind of dark. And I, I think it's a redemption it's from Vampire's Kiss. No, that's a perfect film. <laughs> is it really? I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Oh. <laughs> I haven't even you seen the movie, but that was her. You've never seen Vampire's Kiss. Roger Berg, that made me laugh. No, I've listened to the Straight Chillin' episode oh on it because it's like legendary. Oh my god! Um, like the episode is legendary. Pick, I think. Jacqueline, was it? You, you have to watch Vampire's Kiss. Okay, you have okay. to watch it. Okay, like, like his <sighs> overacting and everything, and he puts like the ninety-nine cent plastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, he eats a live cockroach in that twice. Nope. Nope. Um, Oh, so well, I'll, that was what if not we made the way a version to of it, it where we edit out that one scene. I'll tell you where it is. Time, yeah, find the find the exact timestamp or timestamp for you. me. I will do the due diligence so you can watch Vampire's Kiss. If you do that for me, then I will. I will consider watching it. Uh, be, that, you know why I'll do that before? I will do that for you because Jacqueline sent me a book <laughs> this week. Okay. She asked for my address the other day while we were talking about the accident. And I just thought like, oh, she's nice. She's probably going to send me like a card or something like that. I didn't really think of anything of it. And then I got an Amazon package the other day with that. I didn't order anything. And it's a book. It's Let the Right One In, which we just reviewed. Like, Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, you, you said during the episode so nice that you thought you might actually be interested in reading I that book now. I can't wait to dig into so, it. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. So I thought you needed a little cheering up. No, it was, uh, that was awesome. I, I was like not expecting that at all. So thank you. You're welcome. Just want our listeners to know what a nice woman you are Aww. and a great co-host. Thank you. Oh, and, we, and we all love Hydroberg, so we were just making sure you're okay. Yeah. Well, you got to all hail Hydroberg. So. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Aquafina is in the movie too. So it just wrapped cool. up uh, filming. Uh, it's coming out next April, so a year from now. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. So uh, Hydroberg, I'm sorry to spoil this a little bit, but our friends from Spoils of Horror uh, kept plugging this Indiegogo fundraiser for uh, the sequel of, what is it, Never Hike Alone 2? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like a spinoff of Friday the 13th. They made their money. Yeah, they they made their money. Yeah, they hit their goal. Yeah, they did. That's awesome. I heard about that on the most recent episode of Spoils of Horror, um, where they were talking about was it House of a Thousand Corpses? I've listened yeah, to their show so much this week. Yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses, yeah. So, so that's um, awesome. How much was their goal? What was it for? A hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Nice. Like like to make the uh sequel of it. So it's like a almost like a direct sequel of Friday the thirteenth. And yeah, reaching $170,000 and, you know, people just loving that movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> so I could use a new Jeep. So if you guys wanted to donate <laughs> towards that, I mean, let's start a Kickstarter for I'll put a, a decal vehicle. of Jason Voorhees on it. If you want, I'll do Jacqueline, that. Jacqueline, listen, 
<laughs> we need Patreons. That's what we have to do. Oh, yeah. Podcast now. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Donate to the Patreon that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> we'll have Fund a there. vehicle for Hyderberg. Yeah. They <laughs> cut above mobile. Yeah, they cut above mobile. Oh my lord. <laughs> cut above mobile. And Hyderberg, you gotta go, ow, please, please donate to us. Please. Oh, my neck hurts. All right. Um, Hyderberg, do you want to mention uh speaking of spoils of horror, do you want to mention our news about them now or should we save it? I'll save it for later. Okay, okay cool. All right. Keep you guys listening. Keep you well, intrigued. Yeah, exactly. Let the listeners listen to the whole episode to find out. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the last one I got is we've never mentioned kaiju on this show. I mean, we've talked about like Godzilla versus Kong or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> there is a kaiju movie coming out called um, what? Shin Ultra Man being released. Yeah. Next year, um, the extended cut of the trailer came out. I'm not a kaiju fan. I'm sorry. It's it's Ken Ultraman. So it looked all right. I I watched it. It was okay. I yeah. You think you'll see it? Me? Yeah. No. No. Okay. Well, all right then. (laughs) Hyderberg, what about you? You and I don't watch it. I don't watch anime. It's, it's not, not anime. anime. I know. I'm just kidding. That's just oh an inside God. joke. I'm hoping if Miles, Miles is. is li- if, yeah. If Miles is listening to this right now, I'm sure his, there's like. He's going to kick out you of his fucking ears are like boiling over. He's got steam coming out. <laughs> no, I might. I mean, I'm not into Ultraman, but I'm familiar with him. Uh, yeah. Definitely from my you know childhood. I like Kaiju stuff, though. Yeah, I don't I don't not like Kaiju. I just am not well versed in it. Yeah, it's just either. something I haven't been exposed to very much but i've seen a few godzilla movies and that's like kind of the extent of it but i have seen a few some are definitely better than others um Mm -hmm. it's because of our friend miles that i saw the original japanese godzilla from 1954 a year or two ago i think and that was baller i loved it it was yeah so it, it definitely exceeded my expectations so i think it's something i would like to explore but um i just haven't like you know made all made the necessary steps yet. It seems it seems like kaiju's gone through kind of a renaissance, like mm-hmm. the, the American side of it, it. You know, with Kong versus Godzilla and stuff like that. It just seems like there's going to be more to come. I think. Maybe. I get the sense that it's. I mean, and I could be wrong, but I get the sense that it's one of those things that kind of just like kind of cycles back around like kind of every decade or every generation that there's like kind of a flurry of them and mm-hmm. you know update updating some older films and you know new versions for the new generation and stuff like that so i don't know just my just my outsider observation this is long as they remake halloween again oh well i'm sure someone what if they did it as a kaiju film and michael myers was like really big he would take on Jason or Freddy yeah. or Chucky. No, Godzilla versus Michael Myers. We're <laughs> off the rails. Welcome to the off the rails. I, like what? I don't even know what's going on. Uh, are you guys ready to talk about martyrs? I yeah. Am. Okay. <laughs> now, John, this yeah. was your pick. Yes. Why did you choose this film? Um, I was trying to think of a way to put this, but. Um, the sadist. Hmm. I'm sorry. Masochist. <laughs> no, I, I have no other 
explanation, but I'm sorry. Okay. Just just a deep, heartfelt apology. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm we'll sorry. It. it was fucking hard to watch. Okay. I'm you sorry. Know what? You know what? I'm not mad at you. Okay. I'm actually, I feel like we're going to have a lot of thoughts to share and I'm interested yes. to hear what you fellas have to say about it. Okay. Um, so let's decide, shall we, whether this film fucks or sucks. Johnny, you go first. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Is that all you're going to say? No. Okay. This, this <laughs> man, I feel weird about saying this, but this movie fucks. I mean, this movie really fucks. It's, I'm sorry, but it fucks. <laughs> okay. Hydroburn. No, no, no. Jacqueline, you go next. <laughs> Hydroburn okay. is last. I have been thinking for two weeks about whether this film fucks or sucks. And I uh, have decided that I cannot answer that because it feels like too unserious and too simple to say for me to say whether it fucks us so all i'm gonna say your segment it is my segment but i'm 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 declining to choose from these binary options and instead i'm just gonna say Uh. it sticks like whatever you feel or think about it like i i think it's intensely memorable Mm-hmm. And I think it it sticks. It sticks with you. So that's all I can say for now. Sounds like a good fuck to me. It's memorable okay. and it sticks with you. Well, I'm just kidding. That doesn't mean it's good, but okay. Hydroberg. Oh, yeah, true. You're right. Uh, for me, this this is a fuck, but it's not a nice lovemaking one. It's a it's a raw, intense bondage-esque fuck that makes you question life afterwards. You're gonna need a <laughs> sh- long shower after this one, and maybe a tetanus shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like not a sexual shower at all like not no, a, no, not, no, a like not a titillating like a scrub down shower. Nope, nope, like... nope 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 not at all nope. uh, i'm gonna throw out the spoiler alert really quick we're talking about martyrs from 2008 not the remake that the americans did but no. the french version uh we'll talk about this movie in its entirety if you did not see this movie make sure you pause the podcast go watch it on shutter and then come back to find out what we thought about it Hydroberg, I just don't even know what I don't around. even want to hear this one. I, <laughs> I I can't imagine what a reach around plot summary of this movie could, <sighs> could sound like. So lay it on us. Yeah. Well, you guys owe me from making me write one about this thing. But sorry. I did it. That that was my fault. Sorry. I, like needed I, a whole, said, I, did... I needed a whole week. That there really was no car accident. I literally just <laughs> said that <laughs> so no... I could have another week to practice to, to work on this reach around. <laughs> It was a hoax. At the at the beginning, I said, "I'm sorry," but please keep donating to the Indiegogo for my new Jeep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm ready. The table is set and breakfast is served. A family full of joy they don't deserve. Surely this joy it could not last. Interrupted by a shotgun blast, it's all out slaughter from son to daughter. For the past, their parents harbor. Our girl Lucy, the one survivor, haunted by her guilted stalker. Her suffering, it doesn't end. She took her life beside her friend. Anna's will, it doesn't bend. A mind that's able to transcend. This house she finds, she must transcend, uh, descend. Its heinous secrets never end. By the end of the film, she's come undone. 
we see the person she's now become. To this cult, she's now the one. She endured it all without even shouting. Can you imagine what there is after death? We'll keep doubting. Wow. That was actually like. I love that. Yeah, I I stumbled on one part, but that that was uh, (laughs) a. It's pretty good. Did you think it was it was appropriately like not funny? Right. Yeah, I'm having it. Yeah, yeah we, we we gotta add some levity to this to this freaking podcast because this is fucking hard to watch. It's um, hard to watch and it's gonna be hard to talk about. Yeah, did did you guys have problems with like the plot or the acting or anything like that? Because I'm 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 thinking about my score right now. I don't have a lot of problems with this film more than like Just watching it. Yeah, like it, in my in my review when I get to it, but like repeat viewings is not or recommend like repeating like re- recommending this film to certain people. If you're not into casual, like if you're a casual. I, I think that's the fan, caveat. I, I think that's the caveat. Like like for me and Heidelberg, I agree with you is like the caveat is this is a really hard watch. Yeah, it's a hard Jacqueline, what about you? I mean, did you have problems with the plot or the acting or anything like that? Because I'm, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts of the way I feel about this movie. So I would say the majority of what I have to say about this film is about like the content itself and like the, the themes that are explored and what it's trying to say Mm. beyond that. Like aside from that, I, I really have no complaints or um, criticisms of like the filmmaking itself Like, I don't have any problems with the acting. If there was any quibble that I had with the plot, and it's like, I almost feel like it doesn't matter because if this plot hole were corrected, there would be like no movie. But um, the, the only complaint that I could possibly come up with is that there are at least two very obvious parts where Anna if this were like the real world, Anna should have called the police. Like she should have called for help. So in my opinion, like when Lucy committed suicide, she should have been on the phone like immediately. Um, And if that didn't happen, then when she goes downstairs, she finds the secret passageway and discovers the subterranean like torture chamber. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to help that captive woman herself, she should have called for help. But again, if, if that happened, then there would be no movie. So I, I have to kind of leave that alone. I you called her mom. Yeah, but not to get I help. No, I know. I'm, I'm so, just saying like that was like the extent of her calling yeah. anybody. It was yeah. So, um, so th- that's the only like sort of practical aspect that I had any criticism of. But I, I just don't even care that much about it because I, I, I understand why it has to be that way. Okay. So, so that's. From a technical standpoint, I have no objections. By the time she, by the time um, Lucy committed suicide, Anna had already helped like drag bodies out to the, you know, the uh, outside. So I felt like she's already guilty by she's complicit. So, yeah, she's yeah. complicit. So maybe that might have stopped her. But yeah, once she found the subterranean torture chamber, that's probably the time to call the police. I got. I got the yeah. I I felt that Anna like like when she saw the family was slaughtered. Oh my god, that was fucking even the kids. Oh my god, I it's this movie shows uh what maybe a 10, 11 year old girl getting shot through the chest or the back, 
of so, that's like such hitting a good, the floor hard like that uh-huh. scene i love the stark contrast too just like oh. family having breakfast we just get to we get like five to ten minutes of them like interacting and then boom the doorbell rings and all out just bloodbath and you're just like what the fuck is going on yeah but then you get it later as like like lucy was so right that this was the family oh yeah she was that, mm-hmm. that was the underground and it's just like 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 anna didn't believe that no i mean well, why well, she didn't totally that? disbelieve it i think it well, was no, very she, she, questionable she, she was very she was very much in love with lucy because mm-hmm. she, she kissed uh lucy and lucy was like what are you doing you know par- partially through the movie of like like anna kissing her and it was just like what are you doing but you know anna was in love with lucy and she wanted to believe everything that she was saying. And let's start from the beginning because Lucy was our main character, which yeah. is like 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 this little curveball that you have of this, you know, maybe 11, 12 year old little girl escaping something so horrific, mm-hmm. going to a, uh, uh, you know, um, what was it? Orphanage and yeah. meeting Anna. Yeah. And Anna became the mother, you know, like, like somebody had said, sister, yeah, you're such a mother to her, you know, bring mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So it was like, oh, God. And then Lucy's like traumatized and she suffers from like survivor's guilt. We find mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And that entity that like stalks her is her own is like a manifestation of her guilt. Well, maybe it was herself. I mean, it, well, it resembles mm. the girl that she left behind. Yeah, I think it's like, like which we yeah. see later on looks awfully lo- a lot like the creature downstairs that's blinded oh, or whatever. Oh, with the, the, the metal thing. Yeah, the woman face. downstairs. Like, so is that how you picked it up? I, I picked it up as th- that, uh, you know, more Anna was like, like she was starting to understand what Lucy was saying. What do you mean? About what? That that she she understood what Lucy was going through. And well, she does eventually. Well, she didn't understand it like at first, but she sees this this human being that that you know is. I'm talking about the one that was stalking. Um, the one that was stalking Lucy. Lucy, though, that we find out is not physically there. Yeah, it's not really no. there. Yeah. So yeah, Hyderberg, I, I agree with you. I took it as like a manifestation of her own guilt, and in my mind, it looked like. The person that she left behind when she yeah. escaped as a as a child. Oh, that's right. Because um, they did show that. I'm sorry. Yeah, they yeah. go back to that later. Yeah. So I mean, the film is really kind of like divided into two parts, right? Like the first half is like Revenge Lucy film. trying to. Yeah, it's like Lucy is the main character, as you said, John, and she. It's like we're on her journey for revenge, right? Right. Um, but then. In the second half, Anna is our main character. Yeah, we switch protagonists. She's like, what? What film does that? Well, Psycho. Yeah, oh, true. But, and I mean, true. there's like a handful, but it's really, I think, atypical. This one does it really well. Well, I mean, it's definitely like a hard left. Um, yeah. Because I think, I think when you see, when you find out that Lucy was right and that these were actually like the tortures, it's like. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely felt kind of a sense of satisfaction, especially yeah. especially after Anna had been sort of like 
doubting a little bit, like whether she was really right about this or not. And like, Oh, what if you're wrong? And but Trying then we find out she was, yeah, yeah. So like we find out that she was very right. And so it feels like it's a certain kind of movie, almost kind of like a rape revenge, even though there's no sexual violence in this film, but it feels like a, you know, like a revenge movie. And so it's like, you kind of feel like vindicated, right? Like, but then it's like, it takes this turn into the opposite of hopefulness, the opposite of victory, the opposite of like feeling satisfied. I thought the director did a really nice job of kind of showing similarities of when, you know, the, the, I guess it was porridge or whatever it was of feeding the child Mm -hmm. um, uh, of, um, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Who's the other one? Who's the one that died? Lucy. Oh, Lucy. So, so feeding her or force feeding her that it was like, really sensitive of not showing the violence of that. But then when Anna got down to the, uh, the basement that she was beaten, if she spit it out, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. or, or, or it like forced her to kind of gag or something like that. And it was I feel just- like possibly like breaking a child might be a little different than you would if you were trying to break an adult, you know what I mean? Like where the physical might take more effect. Yeah. But on the but adult, I- I thought they were very sensitive about that, that, that they didn't give a shit of it was, if it was a child or a woman, no. they were going to do this to this human being. And it was like, yeah. the whole cult angle too, is not something that you see coming. No, at all. No, it feels, it feels like a shock to me. Like I, I definitely never yeah. saw that coming. You're like, what the fuck? <sighs> also, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really find it interesting too. Like this, this film changes tone midway and protagonist really does. And it never like, I don't know. It still keeps you enthralled. I feel like it's um, like, you never get a set. You never get a chance to catch your breath in this film. Like once it starts, once she, once that guy opens the door and she blasts that guy with the shotgun, which I remember first time seeing that scene, I was like, what the fuck? I rewound that scene like three times. First time I watched it. Cause I was like, what did this guy do? Did I miss mm-hmm. something? Like, I felt like I missed the scene. All of a sudden, he was flying across the room. Well, Lucy, she had no empathy for anything. I mean, no, she, she blew away so a, a, an 11-year-old girl, an 18-year-old boy, the mother, the father. She hesitated for a minute with the boy. She asked yeah. how old he was. He said 18, and then she almost made the decision. Like, he's an adult. But then after that, she was. You know, then she killed the girl, too. Like, but she did cry a little bit. Like after she killed the girl, I felt like she did feel that, like, see well, what I, you know, I had to do this, but I think she cried after she killed the family because she yeah. does have a conscious or conscious to her that like, no, I shouldn't have done this, but yeah, this is the family that fucked me. Yeah. Over. And the gore is like the, the, it's so visceral in this film. It's like very realistic. And just like, you feel every, every time you see anything that's like, violence or gore in this film it just fucking it hits really hard that's what makes it uncomfortable to watch man yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well so I, if, if it's okay with you guys i'd like to kind of get into the meat of like what this movie is like about mm-hmm. and like the the meaning of the title and like what what i think it's trying to what we think it's trying to say um i man <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Well, I don't even know where to begin. So, like, I noticed with this film and a lot of other new French extremity films, like, a lot of them focus on women 
as the main characters or like women doing heinous stuff to each other or getting heinous stuff done to one another a lot. I like like um, high tension. This film inside uh, this women just definitely seem to be the focus in a lot of these films. I don't know if that's something that you um, pick up on, obviously, Jacqueline, but I have you could probably speak on that firsthand. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that, actually. Yeah. So it's like, I, I have so much to say. I don't even know where to start. Um, Again. I guess I guess what I'll start with and you guys just jump in is like. If I think about the title of the movie, like Martyrs. So what does that mean in, in this film? What What's happening um, if you haven't seen the film, although I definitely think you should see it before listening to this episode. Oh, um, but there's like a, a secret society or cult or whatever that is capturing and then torturing young women because they believe that being in close proximity to some, well, let me, let me put that on that thought on pause for a second. They believe that if they torture somebody to like the brink of death, but not crossing over it, there are certain like chosen individuals who are capable of like, transcending their suffering becoming and because yeah like having a vision of the afterlife that they can then discover for themselves and basically have like the secrets of life and death right um some reading that i did about this before we recorded um apparently this was kind of a popular theory in Mm. victorian times but like a little bit different the theory then was that like proximity to somebody else who is suffering brings you yourself the observer closer to god um or closer to like what's that by witnessing like their suffering yeah that like being 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 witness to that somehow gives you like heightened spiritual insight in some way and so this so i read an interview with the director who also wrote this screenplay and he was like kind of bringing that into that into the story in kind of an oblique way um and something that i have spent a lot of time thinking about when thinking about this film is that one of the characters specifically says we've tried everybody we've tried men women even children Mm -hmm. um but it's women who seem to do like who who tend to like perform the best uh especially young women uh they seem to be more capable of transcending their suffering and reaching enlightenment or it's not the exact wording but you get the idea and so i've spent a lot of time thinking about that it's like well what is the filmmaker trying to say with this and the main question on my mind, and I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say in response to this question is like, is this a misogynistic film? Is the filmmaker like getting some kind of pleasure or like sick, you know, glee out of like kind of vicariously torturing these women in this, in this story? Uh, or is this like, is this a feminist film? In that, like, could he be making a commentary on the plight of women yeah. and, and, and women's suffering and women's historical sort of expectation to subjugate their own identities, ambitions, desires, their selves in service of those around them? I feel like that's a very typical role for women, basically, since the beginning of time. Um, 
Well, and I, I have thoughts of, of my own about that that I've come to, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I, I think that, that <clears throat> the person that makes the comment is the mademoiselle, you know, the person that's in charge of this cult or whatever. Right. Um, wow. I, that's a, it's a really tough question for me to <laughs> answer as a male, but I think she makes that comment because you know, I think it is a commentary of women being like the most attuned to life, right? Mm, so, mm-hmm. so, so, and, and you know, again, not to poo-poo guys being stupid, but we're we're stupid, and we we don't we're not aware of stuff. Women are, are seem to me to be aware of their surroundings, and this woman was you know trying to find this. However. You know, however gruesome it may be, she wants to find this, this maybe a piece in her life or, 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 or this, this, you know, this, you know, I want to find the meaning of life. Yeah. And I don't know. She, she just was so adamant about it and spoiler, she shoots herself in the mouth. So you think that like out about it, they, they, they ended up, choosing women because women are more attuned to their surroundings and possibly able to transcend easier or see. I also think it speaks on the fact that women can endure a lot more pain and suffering emotionally and physically than men can. Um, Like men are strong. Yeah. We're strong on the outside, but women are strong on the inside. Like women endure a lot, especially emotionally and, and keep it together. And like you said, Jacqueline, they do it sometimes in service of their family or others in their lives that think, they don't even put themselves first sometimes. Yeah. You, you asked if it was a misogynistic or so. women empowerment. The fact that Anna yeah, was still alive at the very end and her strength of, uh, of being skinned, oh, shit, skinned alive and just sitting in this liquid and she's still alive. You know, I mean, to mm-hmm. me that, that, that seemed more women empowerment rather than, you know, misogynistic. And she transcended more than anyone. Yeah. For two mm-hmm. hours and 15 minutes, she transcended and saw and it was enlightened. What you say? And whatever she told the mademoiselle was enough to make her kill herself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely think it's more of a feminist. bent. I, I never took this anything as a, any misogynist. Like, I definitely think it's it's a women's movie, mainly. I mean, all the main the main cast is all women. Yeah, and it just never it never spoke to me in like on, on a misogynistic level at all. I, I I have I agree with you guys. I appreciate those thoughts, and I I sort of came to the same conclusions myself um, as well. Um, I I I just after reading interviews with the director and kind of learning about what like the place that he was coming from and making this and like so one of the I have I have a lot of reasons that I that I have come to believe that I, I think this is actually like a feminist film um, and I don't think it's misogynistic. I bring up the question because that seems to be a popular opinion among really? people who don't like this film. Hmm. Um, and they, they think it's misogynistic because it exclusively shows like extreme violence against women. It does. Um, why it's a tough watch for me. Yeah. Oh, but the, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So there's a lot of things that that kind of make me believe that that it's not 
that that's just like a kind of a surface reading of it. Um, for one thing, I think that the, the characters in many ways like subvert typical gender roles and, and expectations for women. Like, as you said, Hydraberg, the almost all of the cast members are female and the, the, men, the few men who are in the film, like they don't really matter so much. They're like henchmen. Yeah. So like there's like the, the dad who participated in the torturing, but it kind of, we kind of get the impression that like the dad that Lucy kills when she comes to their home, like we kind of get the impression that he was like secondary at best, that it, it seems like it was primarily the mother who was there's, like, yeah, there's no like alpha males in this movie really. Yeah. Like the son, he's kind of just like there barely. Um, there's the guy who's beating Anna you know, while she's held captive, mm-hmm. but he's kind of just he's there to be order. muscle. Yeah, exactly. Yep. He's just like the muscle. He's not really like, he doesn't seem like philosophically involved, I guess. Um, but so they're, they're like the main cast is women. We, the torturers who are women, like, yes, they're villains. Like they are evil, right? Like they're doing terrible things, but it's like, you can talk about this in, in terms of race as well, but like, you just having female characters who are all good and like never do anything bad is in itself i think like misogynistic yeah. because it's like, like you can't you can't be a feminist and say like oh like this woman does something bad and therefore like it's that's that's bad i disagree with it like you have to have characters who show all the sides of human nature like you have to have people who are three dimensional you have to you have to like women are human beings right mm-hmm. and as such like they have all the are, same baggage that men have sometimes. exactly like there yeah. are male villains and male heroes and uh like ambiguous characters who are men and it's like there should be the same for women you know the, it should be no different that that woman you're talking about like the uh, of the brute guy um, i guess her husband the one that was, shoots what? oh you're talking, talking about the wife yeah i'm talking about the wife that goes down okay. because she she's part of the torture too but she also tells anna is like listen you only have one more thing to do one more torture to go through. You're good. I know that was a different woman. I, I know what you're saying. She was like the sponge bath girl. Where yeah, yeah. Like throwing she was water like, on I, her. I felt like she was kind of the replacement for the mother that Lucy yeah. killed. Right. Right. She right. was. She was sympathetic yeah. to an extent to Anna. Right. Yeah. She, was right, like, but she wasn't sadistic. No. Well, like no. The, she. But she also mentioned to her is like you only have one more thing to go through. It, mm-hmm. it was skinning. Up. Skinning. But. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it, in a weird way. It was like she was trying to comfort her in a way. Like yeah. you're almost yeah, done. Yeah. Uh, so at that bizarre. point, Anna had let go. She, we, we hear that inner monologue of her and Lucy speaking, and Lucy mm-hmm. telling her, "Like you just have to let go." And then that's when we learn that, like, kind of like this movie seems like it's been about Lucy the whole time, but then it's like Anna is actually the one mm-hmm. that is, you know, like is able to transcend more than anybody ever has, and whatever has happened in her life is enough to like the way her mind works and the way her her will is like. She's actually the strongest. How dope was the was the cinematography in this movie? Really good. I thought it was. I, I thought like like most of the kills and everything else was practical. Yeah, I, I I love that shot of the eye, like where they did the like close up of the eye, where where it's like when oh, you see like a little universe or like a world yeah, in exactly. there or whatever. Like yeah, it was really interesting. I was just like, wow, 
and then it zooms back out. And because she's got like that halo light above her, too. So that's sort of like setting that image in her eye. But then we're like zooming into that. Mm-hmm. It was definitely cool. It was a cool effect. It still sucked to watch, though. It was yeah, difficult, so but the beating. But I... So when Anna, when they break Anna, like they don't they don't cut. It's not edited like very quickly or anything like that. Like it's very slow. There's like 20 minutes of her just being broken day in and day out. And like they don't cut away from anything, really. I was going to ask you guys about that. Jacqueline, what did you feel about that? Like they, they show like everything yeah. you know, of he, of her just being tough. down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very effective and I, I don't have a problem with it no, showing that much. Um, the one thing that it doesn't show is the actual procedure of her being skinned. No, which I think probably technically would have been too difficult to mm-hmm. to create that effect. Uh, but we see the aftermath in extreme detail. Like, yeah, it's I don't think that leaving that part out was like a desire to like protect the audience because we're definitely not protected from her oh. like skinned body which is honestly like that is one of the most horrendous upsetting unforgettable images i've ever seen in a film i think that's probably the most that's probably got to be the most uh memorable part of the movie where she was skinned but but again i i thought they showed it beautifully of like she still is feeling pain because uh you know she's on this uh suspender thing and cuts into her back and she 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 gives that like lince like oh she feels the pain it's and like then a you silent see her go scream along. yeah it's like a silent scream yeah, she doesn't give exactly. it to exactly yeah i i, I don't she know. let go she's like learned to let go by that point so she i thought it was oh man that's what makes her like the ideal candidate to transcend and even when she's in the wheelchair and they're about to like strap her up and she's skinned. You see, like she literally like li- raises her foot. Like she goes along with it. She like raises her foot so he can like lift the uh, the footrest, almost as if like you know you would at a hospital, like when they're taking care of you. Like, and it's like to me, it was just like she was just going along with it at that point. Like she's like, just do it. Do you guys have a most disturbing part of the movie when they pull seeing, the- her, seeing her flayed body is 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 it for me? Pulling the blinder off of the the lady. And the staples out of her head, that scene was pretty fucking horrible. The beatings of Anna, though. In oh, general, my God. That, that, that was mine. I mean, the, this guy coming down and just beating yeah. the shit out of her. I, I was just. And the fact that, like, he unchains her every time and, like, yeah. gives her, a, like, she's allowed to stand and, like, just take it. And she my does. God. The guy the guy did something, like, so, and it just made it more disturbing. It's like he's rubbing her head and it's like, yeah, oh, you're okay. And then he just punches her right in the nose and i'm just like i can't watch this i mean because in their mind in the cult's mind it's like they're not doing evil like this is a necessary evil to them like, for like me, they're doing you a service you're going to be enlightened and been, like they won't be enlightened so like you're you're special to them it's like, been so hard or be it's happy. been so long since i've looked at a movie and had to turn away because it was so disturbing to me but that that beating scene because like you said, Heidelberg, it goes on so long and it keeps coming back to it. And like she's getting force fed and like if she didn't yeah. eat or she spits it up, slapped. And I'm just like, I can't they, watch this. And they even block most of the graphic. Like he's standing in front of her. You don't really even see her getting hit half the time. But you you, just see the- I, I know, but your mind plays. Exactly. No, exactly. Plays it going. Yeah. 
Well, so what you guys were talking about with her just kind of like eventually accepting her fate, like she doesn't really fight back. I mean, by the end, she's just like, she seems like at peace. And so it's like, that's what this cult is like trying to find is the person who can transcend, right? I think Mm -hmm. they use that word a couple of times, like transcend the pain and suffering. And to me, what, like the way that I interpret that is like, a person who no, is no longer fighting it and a person who is who accepts their suffering. And so that's part of what makes me feel like the 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 filmmaker's choice to have this be like uh like something that is suffered exclusively by women. Like they've tried all these things and what works is women, right? I feel that this is sort of like a commentary on the on the plight of women that I mentioned before about like the kind of historical expectation that women like give of themselves to like the extreme like the, to the, to the point of like almost not existing as people anymore mm-hmm. i mean there's like like women throughout history have suffered at the hands of men at the hand like from societal expectations, like physically um, endured like great pain by virtue of being women. Um, And so I kind of feel like this is like a lament on his part of like pointing out like, this is what women go through. Not that we, of course, not that we are like (laughs) kidnapped and tortured and skinned alive, but I think metaphorically, it's like, it's a criticism of the idea that like, this trap that women can be respected, adored, even worshipped, right? Mm-hmm. But what's the catch? The catch with it is that you have to like sacrifice yourself. You have to be selfless. And if like, I was really thinking about that word selfless, because what is Anna in this movie? She is like the ultimate nurturer. She is so compassionate and she is supremely selfless. Yeah. But like, if you literally break down that word, it's like she becomes like without a self, like her whole existence becomes like for the benefit of someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And the thing is, like in real life, women don't want to be martyrs. Like we are human beings and we want to be treated as human beings. We are willing to like give of ourselves for the people that we care about and that we love. But like we're still human beings. And like we are still human and we still have selves. And for that to be like subjugated is torture. Yeah. And so I, I feel as though he is commenting on that, especially because I don't, you know, I mentioned before that I was like, is this a sadistic movie? Is is this like misogynistic? Is this like the filmmaker kind of like beating off, like, you know, fantasize, like kind of glamorizing violence against women. And I really don't think it is. It never feels gross. Well, no, the it thing does is, it's like the, ca- the characters but in the movie. It's disturbing. It never feels like over. Like, it's not like Serbian film yeah, to me. I, like, I, I, feels- I, I don't feel like he's exploiting women. I think yeah. that, that that he makes it feel gross that you do this to women. Well, you feel mm. gross for seeing it. Yeah. So yeah, like, exactly. Like the film Look, itself never felt like you're looking through the lens of looking at this and going. The fuck am I watching? I mean, it's. Ugh. Well, I think it inspires great compassion in the yeah. viewer. 
Sure. And there's also a couple of things that aren't happening in this movie that I think as horror film viewers, we would expect for the, for one thing, there's no sexual violence nope. against women. I went into this film expecting to see sexual violence, especially in the opening scene where the young girl is yeah. held captive because I think we've been conditioned yep. to expect that because it is so just like entrenched in like violence against women. I mean, if there's violence like against troll. women, it's like, well, it's, not and it's a revenge trope. film, it's like, which tends to have a sexual connotation to it. Like, But it's like, I feel like a lot of times violence against women in film has like sort of a sexual component mm-hmm. to it. Like either they're raped or sexually assaulted yeah. in some way, or the violence against women almost seems sexy. Even if there's not like explicit sexual like violence, it's like the woman looks very like she's like nude or she's like she like looks really hot while she's being tortured, you know, like that's really common. And in this film, it doesn't feel that way. And there's no. like they explicitly say at the beginning she was not raped. And the, the reason for that, as we come to find out, is that like these people who are torturing young women, they're not they're not doing it in like a for like some kind of sexual gratification or even just like for their own enjoyment it's like there's a purpose it's yep. sick it's a sick purpose yeah. but it is a purpose and sexual violence does not serve that purpose and so the fact that sexual violence is absent makes me feel less like this is a sadistic like misogynistic movie and the fact that the characters who are perpetrating the violence male or female they don't seem to be enjoying it. Again, it's not like to get their jollies. It's to serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like the, mm-hmm. as, as you mentioned before, John, like the woman who um, is torturing Anna, like she's at the same time, like trying to comfort her in a weird way. Yeah. And so it, it's not like that. She's not taking pleasure in the suffering. She's using the suffering as a, as a means to get, somewhere else and I, you know I what i mean does that make sense it does, no, it does. It, it, i'm not trying to make fun of this but like even the guy that goes down and beats the shit out of like Anna, he's going says, to work says nothing you know he, he comes just, out of the place he cleans himself off you know yep. what i mean he hangs up he his just, gear he beats it's, like a job. Mm-hmm. it's disgusting and you're yeah. like he's disconnected it's like yeah he just because I'm, you know it's like going to work at taco bell yeah taco or starbucks oh god shut up <laughs> Maybe that maybe the Starbucks barista was like trying to send you to an enlightened place. Yeah, you're trying to enlighten you, like feed off your tea. spiritual knowledge. I'm enlightened. No more green tea for me. No, but I, <laughs> I definitely think you've picked up on a lot of interesting theories, uh, Jacqueline. That as a man, maybe I, I definitely didn't probably pick up on as much, but I do see like them using women as a vehicle and why, like you said, I, I think part of it is too like women can endure all this. Like everything that they're put upon, we they can endure be, it because we can. have endured it. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's what make you guys are so strong. That makes you the the prime candidate to transcend. Unfortunately, but it didn't feel misogynistic. At no, not at all. I mean, like well, to I'm me, glad, I'm glad that you guys felt that way. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like okay. This is a reiteration of what women go through. I think it also helps you just like feel for that character, both characters. Well, actually, it's several characters because they're all women. Um, the one, the tortured one that they find downstairs. I don't know her name, but obviously, I guess like she couldn't transcend the one downstairs. Yeah. So they just kept her there because she was fighting. 
right? Yeah. She was still fighting. Yeah. Anna let go. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, you just like, you really feel even as, especially as a man for me, like, I think this film is the most uncomfortable for me because I'm watching a woman being beaten for 20 minutes and I was raised by a woman. So like, I'm just like, no, this is not okay with me, but I know it's a movie. And like you said, it's tastefully done in a way, you know, like some people that aren't in a horror at all would watch this and think it's just like porn or like, this is trash. This is disgusting. I get it though. Like it's, it's got a, it's got something to say, which. Right. And I think it's important to remember when watching any film that like, just because a film shows us something doesn't mean that the film is condoning that thing. No. And so, I mean, if you only have a surface reading of, of films then that's like what you're going to be tempted to Mm -hmm. think. Right. But I think if you look at it with a critical eye, the question you always have to ask yourself is, well, what is the filmmaker saying about this? Like, it's not to say that they're not condoning it, but you have to ask yourself that question. I mean, and I'm saying in this film, I'm not saying that he's condoning it, but I'm saying in any film, you know, there are films where you can tell that the filmmaker is like glorifying certain kinds of violence or glorifying certain like harmful ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that I don't think that's what's happening here. Like rape revenge films, like they can be um, they can be good films, but it is a plot device, you know, like. Yeah, and they can be exploitive. I think it yeah. just depends on how it's done. And you ha- so you have to ask, like when you ask yourself what the filmmaker is doing, then you have to look for evidence in the mm-hmm. in the text. If you read the film as a text, yeah. like right. what is the textual evidence for this? And so, you know, I was texting with you guys last week about this and I was like, oh, what does it mean? And. So I had to kind of like, look, I had to like, so I, I knew what I wanted it to mean, mm-hmm. but yeah. just because I want it to mean one, th- it doesn't mean that that's, oh, yeah. that that's what it is. So I had to like really good point. think I, back through the film and I'm like, is he, is he like, does he want us to be titillated by this? Is he, titill- is he like taking a sick enjoyment in this, like a sick pleasure in this? No, never or, or, or is there evidence that he's saying something different? Is this a critique? Is this like, a nihilistic, you know, lament of reality. And, so, and I think it's, I think it's the latter and, and I, I, I for reasons too. that I've already explained. I do too, because I think we all feel the same way. And again, I think the one thing that this movie did kind of perfectly was lack of levity. You didn't laugh yeah. at the movie. There's no, no comic there's relief. No, that's um, for there's sure. no chance to laugh. And Jacqueline, you said it perfectly is that that it didn't exploit anything nudity or or, or sexual violence or anything like that. It was just very. uh, And it was just it was heavy, even the nudity Mm -hmm. that's seen. It's not sexualized like it's a body that's been like tortured. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a woman's breast, but it's scarred. It's got history like on it. Like you could tell she's what she's been through just by the, the scars on her flesh. And Heidelberg, I mean, the, the one thing they focus on is her face of, uh, of being uh-huh. bruised and beaten yeah. for however long she was bruised and beaten for it. was and like just, her knees and like, open yeah. knees and like, like to uh, me, it was just like, I didn't feel any kind of, you know, like this. Oh, I'm trying to exploit this. It was no. just more like awareness. It's funny, as I was watching this film, too, that's when I started thinking about, like, the other French, new French extremity films that I've seen. And I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen a a couple. And, like, the ones I have seen, they all have mainly female protagonists or antagonists and focus somehow on women. Like, Inside is purely about women, right? It's a metaphor for pregnancy and motherhood and a lot of other things. And, like, 
uh, high tension. We our two main characters are two women. Our main you know antagonist is a woman. Um, oh. no, I'm just saying antagonist is a woman. Let's move on. Let's not spoil. <laughs> Let's not spoil that one. Saying. That's all I was saying. Um, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I think that there's like an American tendency to want to like adhere to the final girl kind of trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that like what the French are doing is is interesting because it's like. Well, you know what? I haven't really fleshed this thought out. I, that, that was too spur of the moment. I haven't fleshed that thought out enough. I'll circle back. Well, well, <laughs> let's go. Let's go to the very end. <clears throat> Excuse me. What do you guys think about the ending? The very end was phenomenal. I mean, to yeah. me, it was a bunch of dudes. I mean, you saw very few women. The Mademoiselle was in the bathroom and she was taking off her makeup or like fake eyelashes and stuff like that. And <clears throat> she was they all look like her- elites, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, that, sense that, like, like really affluent kind of like for sure. Um, and it was people just, who are like influential in society. Yeah, like Jeff Bezos. But again, yes. <laughs> I think I saw um, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you saw a bunch of dudes like walk into this house and, you know, the mademoiselle is going to tell you exactly what this woman said because of she experienced martyrdom and you know, it was just like she realized what I, I don't know. I, I guess it's up we don't know it was said. Yeah, it was up for interpretation of like you're an asshole, die or something. <sighs> because she took off all of her makeup, she took off her fake eyelashes and killed herself. She got ready to transcend herself, I guess, or whatever. Whatever, no, like what, I don't whatever I don't she think- heard. You think it was enough to say like I just don't want to live anymore. It, well, she it, was so excited. She wanted to get there. Like, it's, no, it was enough to where it like really depressed her. Cause she was so yeah. excited to like, see somebody experience martyrdom because she was showing all these pictures. It's like, Oh, this person getting ready to die. It made her question her faith. Yeah. Severely. Hmm. I oh, also yeah, like, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just think like, I think this ending like makes or breaks this film for some people. Okay. You know, like I could see some people like totally getting it and some people just not liking the fact that like, oh, what happened? What what did she say? Like, but I think honestly, I respect the shit out of it. Like, I think it works really good for the film. Like I kind of love the ambiguity. Especially the second time around. Yeah. Seeing it. I got a lot more out of it now the mm-hmm. second time. So I am thank you, John, for making me watch this film, even though I said fuck you. Uh, <laughs> you still love uh, avocados. Yeah. Just not the trash bag from uh terrifier i don't know there's no context to that statement (laughs) yeah so i think it's so interesting so i think it's so interesting right that like she's ready to have this big kind of event like this has all been planned where all these people are going to come together and there's going to be this big reveal of the truth that um anna has has like revealed to her captors but then what she finds out what mademoiselle finds out is enough to make her, her to like yeah it's whatever it is it it totally creates like an about face that to the fact mm-hmm. to the point that like we know before she commits suicide we know like oh something is different something is wrong because she's taking off her makeup like clearly she's no longer going to participate in this event that has been long planned and long anticipated right uh 
and then for that final step to to commit suicide it's so um thought provoking and like shocking did you notice the look on her face when because it, it it's a like a music montage thing when anna's whispering something into her ear and you can't hear anything but the look on her face she goes she's got this big smile and then it drops like yeah she's almost upset like oh I didn't realize that's what it was. Yeah, because Anna's the first that's ever. And people have transcended, but no one's ever come back and spoke of uh, what they saw. Right. Anna's the yeah. only one to ever do that. She's the first one. But, but the Mademoiselle didn't know that. I mean, the Mademoiselle was like, like, yes, go ahead, tell me. No, I'm saying, yeah, but no, she knew but that Anna was the only one that's ever done it. Understood, but she, had she was so big, excited to hear it. She so had she a big smile on her face, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it turned to a frown. It was just. Mm-hmm. Like, she thought it was going to be game changing and it was, but not in the way she thought. It was. Well, I think she had this, like, I think all of these people in this society had this idea of a rapturous, like uplifting celestial ethereal mm-hmm. kind of experience. Like they were expecting kind of a magical heavenly, like, uh, vision or something yeah, or like what whatever you, they found out was going to change the way they lived life for the rest of their lives what do you yeah. guys do is make they, a they wind like, out of mademoiselle's sales basically yeah what do you and guys like, they had these big posters sorry John, i just want to like get this up like they had these big images these big photographs of these women from the past who have this look on their faces and they're like really kind of romanticizing that right like oh they look so rapturous and that's the word i keep coming to like but it looks like a positive thing and it's like they have these high expectations and then it's like i don't know if what she says is like i saw hell or there's nothing like maybe there is no afterlife there's nothing there it's just dirt and worms i mean who knows i i think that's part of the fun is like Mm -hmm imagining what she could have possibly said and i thank god that the that the dialogue doesn't reveal that i, yeah. I, I agree sorry john what were you gonna say I, I, well, I it was up for interpretation it, and again jacqueline you're fine like to me it was like i i think anna told her is like you're gonna die because you're doing this to people well, like, you like, think that's what she said to her i i think so is, is that you're putting people through so much torture is that you should kill yourself because you should feel this guilt. Like, like maybe uh-huh. her, 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 you know, elevation into martyrdom was like, stop doing this because you do this, you're going to die. And, and it was just like this, maybe this voice that, that, that made her go, Oh my God. Like, 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 like her, her, her guilt just like overcame her because so she, whatever think- Anna saw, it's like, most like mortal people they're not supposed to yeah like like she saw everybody else yeah experienced martyrdom of like you did this to all these people so do you think she had a vision of like mademoiselle being like like do you think this was like a revelation of divine retribution like you like her telling mademoiselle like you're going to suffer i can see it or or something like that Mm. or or do you think it was just kind of like a no i i I think it was like 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 she was so mademoiselle was so enthralled with martyrdom that that a truth was revealed to her that uh yeah you did this to a bunch bunch of other people so the guilt kind of maybe oh so you think it was anna's moral judgment 
that that no, she spoke I, I, to her or, think, or is she like a conduit from something coming yes. from god yeah i think well no not so much god so it was almost it was, like the voice of god like she relayed on her not like the really. universe i, I think yeah. it was just it was a conscience <laughs> So when we Your see the conscience. vision that she sees, we never see anything really. Like we no, see sort you of never do. Right? No, no, and that no. might be what she's told her. She saw that so many words it was like nothingness in a sense. Where like all all your efforts are for naught, right? Like everything right. you're trying to live, trying to figure out, like my, it doesn't mean anything. My like, there's no meaning to it. That's my thought. Is that 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 she felt like <laughs> she felt so much guilt of what she was doing? Is that that she was so enthralled with Anna? Of, yeah, like going to this higher level of martyrdom and it was just like wait hold on a second her conscience got the best of her it wasn't a god thing or anything biblical it was just more like oh fuck i just tortures the this woman and Children. i feel guilt of it yeah so it was a crisis of conscience yeah Probably. i could see hydroberg that. that was a really interesting thing you said that like maybe it like maybe it was just like nothing so i i think i don't i i don't know what she said to her but i think that the the worst thing she could have said to her i think like the worst possibility would be to reveal that there is nothing yeah and that this has all been for nothing like you said hydroberg i think that would be worse than if she said i've glimpsed hell mm-hmm. yeah because even like the existence of hell like they already believe in that you know like if, yeah. if they're christian in any sense like if they believe there's a heaven, you have to believe there's a hell. Right. And so it's like, that wouldn't be a surprise, you know, but it's like, if they have spent their whole lives, like believing this thing and going to such extreme measures to glimpse something that they believe is there, but then for this one person to actually glimpse the truth and then tell them like, it's nothingness. Like this has all been for not, I think that to a character like Mademoiselle would be the most horrifying. Yeah, the most horrifying. Because then you have to come to grips with everything you've done in your life. For what? You've tortured these people and you've made that your life's work. For what? So maybe it's both. Maybe that's like what she revealed and that precipitates a crisis of conscience and she kills herself because as the audience in the dark too, right? Like we don't see we see the glimpse into the eyes and then like, it looks like nothingness too. Like it's extent, like it keeps going. It's almost like nothingness just keeps going. And then it circles back, right? Like it goes down and then it comes back out the eyes almost as if like, I don't know if that's supposed to be like a reflection of ourselves or what that's supposed to mean. But it's like, we see almost like a tube yeah. and it's almost like clouds or like fluffy, like sort of, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's like it's like a material, almost like it looks like dream stuff. I don't know how you describe it, but and then like it comes back, we see the halo, the light reflecting and it kind of comes back from the reflection in the eyes, almost as if like. I mean, she's been put through so much, maybe you get a glimpse into her own psyche, but and then she saw nothing, you know what I mean? Because she let go. That makes this movie more tragic because at the very end of the movie, you see her sitting in liquid. She's still alive. She's sort of happy, though. No, like not happy, no. but she's she's comfortable. Maybe she's like she's still alive. And yes, she suffered. But at the same time, I don't know. It's like it's she sort of like she won in a sense. except on her face. Oh, well, yeah. She's probably going to die. 
Right. Yeah, it seems like she's not suffering anymore. No, she's not at all, right? Like, she's just being... Hmm. Maybe that's martyrdom of there's nothing. And, you know, Mademoiselle just goes, there's nothing. I just thought there was a really interesting scene of where she's in the bathroom and her, you know, her assistant or whatever is like, Mademoiselle, are you sure there's something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's something. Boom. Well, you know, she she tells she says, him, keep you, doubting. Yeah, keep doubting. Yeah. So I think it's just like. The interview that I read with um, Pascal Logier, I think that's kind of how you say it. Uh, he he revealed that he had been going through an intense, profound depression mm. when he wrote and, and made this movie, which is sense. not surprising at all. <laughs> but that he he was very aware of like it having a very nihilistic tone, like it's. There's no uplifting, like there's no hope. There's nothing to like make you feel better. It's like really, it's a depressing film. He said himself, he's like, this is not a like an enjoyable film to watch. This is not a likable film, is what he said. This is not a, a likable film. So it's like he's very aware of what it is, but he he said something along the lines of like making a feel-good movie would be just like repulsive to me in the state that I was in. It would feel like a lie. You know, mm-hmm. like a betrayal of what my feelings really were at the time. And he's like, I wanted to make something that felt how I felt on the inside. Okay. So it's like knowing that, I think that that interpretation of like whatever Lucy, I'm sorry, whatever Anna reveals to Mademoiselle, I feel like that would be the most nihilistic like thing to reveal yeah. is like nothingness. And I also think it's it kind of has to do with like if you go way back in the movie to where Lucy, you kind of feel like because we're conditioned to this type of movie, it's like we feel like it's her destiny to like get revenge on these mm-hmm. characters and then she's gonna be like made whole again. Yeah, and but she's it kind of yeah, it kind of seems like she expects to feel whole again. Like she completes her task. And then she's like, but the but that figure like haunting her is still there. And she's like, no, I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. Like, you can stop now. But she's still being tortured by it. And it's like, I think it's kind of about like the futility of all of it. Because yeah. like, even, even when you get your revenge, it's righteous. Like her revenge is righteous. Yeah. And but it doesn't yet, make you feel better all the time. Yeah, it's it's like anything. ultimately meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like everything, basically, what I take from this film is like everything is meaningless. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know what the, the fuck happened to the director that he. I, I, I disagree. What happened in his life that he got so down that he wrote something like this? I I, I disagree. I feel like because, he and Ari Aster should be friends. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I have a support group. I, maybe I, I saw Anna and uh, uh, what's her name? Lucy. At the end. Lucy. Oh, Mademoiselle. Well, Lucy. Uh, at the very end, like the end credits of them, yeah, I was going to touch on that. Was, I love the end. It credits. was like a, like an eight millimeter, like silent. Them, yeah, it, you didn't hear any music. No, nope, it was just them playing as kids at the orphanage, and it was just like, oh, that's sweet. But I still feel like shit right now. Mm-hmm. Well, because you know what happened to them. Well, like, exactly is, right. Like, it looks but, like sweet, innocent, like child's it play. Gives you that, <laughs> it gives you that kind of like. All right, so they were. They were awesome with each other, but then what know. if that's them in the afterlife? Well, didn't we see that footage before, though, earlier in the film? Like during know. the did, time when did, they were at we the orphanage? See, a little we bit. Did see Anna, footage. We saw Lucy like 
but they, she was healed at that point in that footage. Like her hair, her eye patch was taken away, and her hair yeah. was grown back. Yeah, it was kind of like that. That kind of innocence, I guess, at the end of the movie, where you're like, yeah. "Wow." But the thing is, we know that they were not innocent. Like by the time that they were at that orphanage, they had both like we don't really know Anna's backstory, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really know. We we assume she's orphaned because she's in an orphanage. But or beyond that, because or like she was orphaned yeah, and then never, that's true. Because like, that conversation she has with her mom sounds like she's spoken with her mom, but refuses to go back to her. Oh, or... you know, I didn't connect those dots, but you're right. Yeah. She has a mom. What the hell? Yeah. Oh man, I need to go back and think about that again. Don't watch. Okay, so well, that just raises even more questions about like why she's in an orphanage if we know she. Her mom said like I know I did some things, but like you know, like I've dealt with that, and you refuse to like. I didn't put that together, but thank you, thank you for drawing that line for me. I didn't, I didn't pick up on it. I don't know. Maybe at some point they reconciled or they tried to. My point is, by the time we see them in the orphanage, they're not like sweet and innocent and carefree and happy-go-lucky. Like they've both suffered in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it doesn't make me feel good to see them as children. And they introduce the guilt, like that entity, right away uh, when Lucy is a child. Like so, yeah. she's been dealing with that all her life. I mean, that just how like what what a sad, tragic life that is. I know. And John, at the at the beginning of the podcast, you were asking. You know, what do we think about the acting performances? I I think that like the fact that these characters were able to evoke such like extreme sympathy and sorrow and heartbreak and like disgust for them and like just all these feelings that it sounds like we all had. Like, I think their acting performances were just spectacular like the two lead actresses obviously but even like the supporting characters like they're so believable i never felt like anybody was acting um it's all and, very subtle yeah and, yeah, and like, like you said like nobody was acting yeah the only the, reason yeah the only reason why i asked is because to me it's really hard to find any problems with this movie mm-hmm. except the disturbing nature of it yeah. Like, yeah. Like, but that's intentional. You. It's not a mistake. No, right? it's, it's not, not like an error on the not, part of the filmmaker. It's just not. like subject matter that is not necessarily for everybody. The plot but, holds together. The acting is phenomenal. So, well, and like the two of them, like for them to be, for those two actresses to be like in that state of like suffering with their character for like such extended periods of time. I mean, like the suffering never stops. Right. Like there's like you like we've said, there's no break. Like they're crying or running or suffering or being tortured. I mean, and that's the thing is that that Lucy feels like 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 so empathetic or sympathetic to or or, I'm sorry, Anna feels so empathetic or sympathetic to Lucy's pain that she goes through it later. I mean, the, the way it ties together is just kind of brilliant. It's, it's like uh, and it's heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking this, it is it's a this, sad sad movie this is not an easy movie to watch yeah she goes through it to the point where she you she hears like you hear lucy telling her how to get through it you know heidelberg you're so right and that's what she uses like that yeah. when she she's down go. in the basement you're right absolutely 
because you hear like the conversation they must have had as kids like how did you get through what you went through and she was like you have to let go yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but obviously lucy was so broken that she couldn't let go over time like also i think part of that is a survivor's guilt too like the fact that she had she gotten away and never left somebody behind that might have been easier to get over but yeah. the fact that she left somebody behind too just stayed with her forever help with the plot though it helped with no, the absolutely yeah. that was her inner demon like okay. like literally there was a fucking like demon type creature that haunted her yeah and cut th- her but it was really I- hurting me I thought the way that the film created uncertainty as to Lucy's sanity mm-hmm. was really interesting and really clever because not only are we questioning it, but so is Anna. And so yeah. we're sort of questioning together. And then everybody eventually finds out the truth, like both Anna and the audience. But like before we find out about the existence of that underground basement or whatever, it's like, Lucy is very certain that this is the that these are the people who hurt her. Yep. Anna, you know, is continually saying like, "But are you sure? Like, what if you're wrong? Are you, are you really certain? I don't know." And then we see Lucy, like from Lucy's point of view, we see her being like stalked by this like demon creature. But then from Aunt, but then we see from Anna's point of view. I think that's so smart. Like from Anna's point of view, we see Lucy injuring herself so that's how that's how it communicates to us that this is not literal you know that this it's like psychological in lucy and so that creates even more uncertainty we're like oh she's off the deep end like she is she is not well and i i feel like that makes us as audience members kind of feel even more like oh my god she's done something wrong like she's made a terrible terrible mistake Mm -hmm. it makes and then it flips and then it flips again yeah, this film's like a genre bend too. It's like revenge film. No, wait. Um, psychological, possible, like supernatural film. No, wait. Oh, the supernatural part isn't supernatural. It's all psychological. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes like, uh, I know this film's like synonymous with being like a torture porn, but it's not. It's, it's not. You know, people because think there's it is no porn. That's what they hear. There's right? nothing. The there's torture. nothing yeah, like. There's no. The torture that's in there is there to service the plot and it does it in a in a tasteful way. It's hard to watch, but it services the plot tremendously. I don't know if tasteful it, is the right word. I would say purposeful. Well, I mean, I would it, say purposeful. Yeah, purposeful. There you go. Like, yeah. yeah. I well, love this tasteful is what I, really I love the pictures of Anna, like like going down to the basement and seeing those pictures of the uh, of the martyrdom of of these women. Just yeah, kind of, of past martyrs. Yeah, just like the, the look on their faces. They're all the same because they're looking. All those women are held up like heroes. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Exactly. That but it's like they but they have but there's like very, very like stringent requirements for yeah. being thought of as that hero that like nobody wants, right? Well, they fine-tuned it over time. Right? Yeah. They figured out they started with they said we used to use children. We figured out that children now it, it we ended up with women, young mm-hmm. women. But the pictures, I mean, were like a perfect foreshadowing because mm-hmm. it's like they they showed the same pictures later in the movie of when Mademoiselle was showing. Anna. Book, yeah. Oh yeah, look at this. Oh yeah, this is this is when she was m- martyred or whatever. And it was just like, oh my god. Yeah, I, yeah she she saw those pictures. And was, I like the was, Mademoiselle part too when they introduce her. It could be seen as like an expedition dump in a way, but it's not really. I never felt that way. Like no. it's, you know, she comes and she shows you the book and she explains a lot of like 
the cult section part to you, which we were not familiar with at that point in the movie because we haven't mm-hmm. seen the cult mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the whole martyrdom thing. But it, the way she explains it and like it's just definitely it all makes sense. And it, none, none of it felt like forced. We were like, oh, you're just you're, you're telling us the viewer who's dumb, like what's going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because we're experiencing it at the same time as Anna too. So, agreed. Yeah, it's all really good. I also, I also feel like this movie would be. I'd be more inclined to believe that the film itself was misogynistic if the people in charge of this group were men, and like yeah. if it, if it, if it were men running the secret society, like the, if Mademoiselle was really Monsieur. And if like all the people doing the torturing were men, I would feel more like kind of a patriarchal, like Weinstein. Like when the when the hit squad comes in to clean up the house, like who's the main fucking gunner? The woman, right? The powerful mm-hmm. woman. She's mm-hmm. the one who kills the uh, the the tortured uh, woman right mm-hmm. off the bat, right? And mm-hmm. she's the one who uh, starts interrogating Anna yeah. right away while the men start cleaning up. Yeah. So like they're evil, but they're powerful. Yeah. Like, they have their own agency. And Lucy, elite. Yeah. Well, and Lucy herself, like she, she herself has like her own agency in a weird way. Like she's a really damaged, broken person, but she is not just like, uh, like kind of laying she's back and accepting her. She's not accepting her. Jacqueline, she's she's fighting. She's fighting hard, and like all these years have gone by, and she has like made it her mission to take her revenge. She got. She's really strong. Like she cut her own writ or arms, I guess. Like you're still running around the house. She is until yeah, she cut her own. She threw herself through a window, smashed her head into the wall. Like yeah, yeah. So like these are these are like flawed characters, obviously, but they have strength and agency, and that's something. Well, so. who, who runs the, uh, the 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 cult? It's a Mademoiselle, mm-hmm. an unmarried woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She don't need no man. She just needs mm-hmm. to torture some women to get her spiritual awakening. I don't need no man. <laughs> I'm just gonna skin you alive. Anyway. Any other major things to talk about, guys, or should we wrap this up? Oh, man, it's fucking brutal. All right. John, you ready to give your rating? I am. Uh, Is your rating just I'm sorry? I'm sorry. <laughs> 10 out of 10, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a 10 out of 10. I'm sorry. That's no, so hold on. <laughs> where where the fuck oh. are the Sawyers? <laughs> it's still one of my favorite ones. That was the best unit ever. Pickets. Um. <laughs> this movie is really hard to criticize. So I'm going to give it a, uh, I'll let you guys go. Uh, 10 out of 10 skin lotions. Ooh. Skin lotions? Yeah. Because of all the dry skin? All the wet Because skin. of all the, all the non-skin? All the non-skin. Ugh. I think she's beyond lotion yeah, at this yeah. point. So we're giving it 10 out of 10 lutriderms or whatever, uh, whatever. Lubriderms. Lubriderms, yeah. Lubriderm. Avino. <laughs> Avino. No, don't tell me what I'm giving the ratings. It's 10 out of 10 skin lotions. Okay. All right. I'm conflicted on how to rate this, to be mm-hmm. honest. That's what I was feeling. I was, <laughs> that's why I asked you guys at the beginning. It's like, you have big criticisms, but man, this movie was so good. So it's a flawless film for you, John? 
It's, no, I don't feel like any film's flawless, right? I, but yeah, I, I don't either. But I also feel that that if you can stomach this movie, you have to watch this movie. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, it's so good. It's really hard to criticize it. So ten out of ten skin lotions. All right, HB Hydraberg, what say you? All right, <clears throat> I think this film is beautifully shot. The cinematography is really good. None of it ever like just stands out like, oh, remember that one scene? But it's all just consistent. Like it just from start to begin, like from I like the film reel look that they do in the very beginning. Um, I don't even what time frame does this film take place in? Right. Like when they're kids, it's 71. So this is the 80s. No, I, I would say they're 90. Don't you think they're like in their 20s? So it's in the 90s. Maybe mid. I would say 90s. You say 90s. 15 I think years later. Yeah. Does, wait, does it say that? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, so then that would be 86, I guess. Okay. Because, yeah, that's the one thing that kind of sticks out to me, though. It doesn't feel like it takes place in 1986. It doesn't really that. feel like it takes place in any particular. Yeah. So, like, uh, I do love, like, also, I didn't write this down, but, like, it's a single setting film, basically. But I love how the single setting has different layers to it, right? Like, we find out more about this house, you know, as we trend, we we descend into it, we find that, like, there's another layer and then there's another layer down from that layer. There's like the sort of laboratory or like medical sort of area. And then like we go down into yeah. like the torture chamber. Um, so there's like three different subterranean level, two different subterranean levels to this house, which I even wonder, like, do the kids even know about, are they in on it or were they innocents? We don't know. That's the only innocence I could think of in this film that possibly, you know, were like the, the kids, Maybe. Um, I assumed I like that they were, but I, I don't know. They might have been. They, at some point, they might have been, you know, taken into the fold and told what was going on. You know, hey, mom and dad, we're in this cult. We need you to join. You're 18, son. It's time to join the cult. Oh, my God. I hope not. Uh, or you have to get out. <laughs> uh, I feel like this film, it deals with some heavy themes. And it's not afraid to put them in the forefront. Like, it deals with them in a mature way. And they never become a plot device or like something like where you could just really tear apart the film and just be like, oh, well, you know, it was like just used just to, you know, just to exploit something or to get some kind of like reaction out of you. Like, yeah, you get a reaction out of what you see in this film, but like there's meaning to it, to all of it, really. Um, you're meant to get a reaction and that's why it's a good film. Um, the premise is really original, in my opinion. Like the the idea of reaching enlightenment through torture is not something I've ever seen before. Like I've seen torture films and most times they're sickening in a sense where like, you know, you're watching something that someone's just doing to exploit an emotion, get an emotion out of you. Like, hey, you felt something because like we made you look at something grotesque for a while. But this film does it in a very uh, not what would you say before? Not tasteful, but purposeful, purposeful. Yeah. Um, and it's gutsy, I think. The subject matter, the way it's handled. Uh, I think the gore is just super intense and realistic, and it makes your skin crawl. Like, literally, it crawls off your, off your <laughs> Crawls body. off of your body. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, my cons? I don't have many, to be honest. Like you said, uh, well, like, while I don't mind violence and gore at all, this film, like, it has a weight and intensity to it that, honestly, it hurts, like, it hurts the rewatchability for me. Like, repeat viewings for this film are not something like I'll be honest, like 
I did enjoy my first watch and I got more out of it the second time because Johnny made me watch it. Uh, thanks. But right. um, and the premise does beg to be explored a little further with repeat viewings or at least like, you know, searching on the Internet about the meaning behind everything. But I, like ultimately for me, I like I'm just like I wasn't going to ever watch this film ever again after seeing it that first time, because it does. It makes you feel a certain way. And it's just tough. It's a tough watch, man. And, and on my second con is just like it's not it's not something I would recommend to someone that's not super into horror. Like if you're just casually in horror, I would not say, hey, go check out Martyrs. It's a good watch. But if you want to see French extremity and you want to explore all the different genres and depths of horror, like definitely check this film out, because if you can stop stomach it, like it's got a lot to say. And it's it's a really well made film. And, uh, you know, with that said, I'm going to give Martyrs uh, from 2008 because it's the original, not that American remake. Right. I'm going to give it nine out of ten. Uh uh, body lotions or whatever skin lotions it puts the lotion on its skin it puts the lotion on its skin oh god uh tie-in i feel um, bad dinging this film but at the same point like i i don't know I divert, it's, a tough watch, it, it's man. fine it, it really is i mean that's your that's your review man no i know and, and like i agree with that i i, I think it's just more of like like there are some films that i feel like are just as good as this film but i would put them on any day and rewatch them. I can't do that with this film. And that's no. that's sort of a ding for me. It's still. But it sort of feels weird dinging because that's the film's meant to be that way. Yeah, exactly. Jacqueline, mm-hmm. how you feeling? Uh, well, well, Hyderberg, just to say one more thing about what you just said. That's kind of how I felt about Henry Porter, a serial killer. Yeah. As well. I felt like there. I didn't have any actual like criticisms of the film. I ding that film a, too for that. It's such a tough watch. I think i gave henry nine or 9.5 if i'm not mistaken but i felt like it's it's a great film it's like virtually flawless i don't have any criticism uh, criticisms of it other than it's just like a tough film to watch that makes you feel icky you know so um i i basically feel almost the same way as you hydraberg i i can't really complain about anything in this film i think that in a way, I'm sort of glad that we had two weeks to to get into this film. Like that, yeah. you know, I I watched it during the first week when I was expecting to record last week, but then when we postponed the recording at the last minute, it gave me like an extra week to think about it. And I think I really needed that because I, after watching it, I felt like okay there I don't I don't have a, a total grip on this immediately after watching it I need some time for it to sink in and to like mull over it and to consider some things and like how do I really feel about this and what do I think he's trying to say and what does it mean and so I was glad to have that extra time um I kind of already narrated my my inner sort of questioning and where I felt like it ended up um I'll echo something that you said, Hyderberg, in that I think that it was really brave for Pascal Logier to make such a like bleak and nihilistic mm. film. It's like he clearly did not feel any like obligation to give like a happy ending or anything hopeful or, or anything. It's like I think he really felt the freedom to reflect his inner state on this in this film. 
Um, and in the interview that I read with him, he said something to the effect of like, in France, filmmakers have seem to have way more freedom in their content than American filmmakers do. Like when he was making this film, he did not, he was not subject to any like imposition from studios or anything like that. He was pretty much allowed to just make whatever he wanted to make. So um, I think it's like, it's very courageous and it's like, it feels like an artist doing something that is true to what he wanted to make or what he envisioned. And so I really respect that. And I do think this film is like high art. I really mm-hmm. do. And maybe some people would think I was like super pretentious and like, you know, fart sniffy for thinking that it's like, oh, you just want to be like intellectual or something. But I, you know, not every film has to mean something, but it's like, this film so clearly does. And I, I think it's enjoyable to have a film that like asks something like this of its audience, like asks you to consider these questions. And I don't know if my interpretations of it are what the filmmaker intended, but it's like, I had a, a particular, I had like an enjoyable kind of journey trying to, trying to come to that, to come to those conclusions for myself. You know, that like, that was an experience. Mm-hmm watching the film was an experience but then like trying to parse out what I thought about it was a separate experience and I appreciate that and to like to to think that this film like doesn't say anything or you don't need to what are you guys doing uh, I'm giving the 10 Sorry. Uh, oh um I was like is this like the secret symbol of the society is there like yeah. a triangle is it like the um what's that i can't think of that word the secret society of i don't, I don't know bricklayers or whatever um <laughs> the illuminati no you guys know the what i'm trying to say. anyway yes that it's like it has something to do with brick like i know they're not bricklayers but freemasons um i lost my oh so it's like an experience and i appreciate that and anybody who's trying to say like oh don't think that deeply about it's like yeah, like not every like not every film has to be that, and there are people who try to overlay something on top of everything, even when it's not there. But yeah, Hyderberg, like you said, this movie is like begging you to do it. Like it's it feels like an assignment. Like you must really? think you must think about this movie. You can't not like think about it. So I I, I think it's really really brilliant. I think everything is was very well thought out. The fact that we don't know what Anna reveals to Mademoiselle at the end. It's, it's brilliant. Like it's ambiguous and it's up to us to, to think about it. Um, something that goes along with kind of the bleakness that I didn't really talk about is like the character of Anna, you, you think that because she's so kind and nurturing and compassionate, like she deserves to be saved, right? Like she kind of falls into this familiar character of like a protagonist that you're like rooting for like you want her to escape right because that's like what we do is we we find the person that we want to identify with and that we want to cheer for and we want to see her survive but her kindness and her goodness can't and don't save her and in fact like they are required for Mm -hmm. her fate it's like it's like because of her kindness and goodness like that's part of what makes her the perfect ultimate martyr right like she is a person who already has spent her life like giving of herself and like she has truly been a selfless person and that I think is like what lends itself to her 
being able to like achieve this spiritual level that this cult is seeking in her. So it's like, that's, I mean, that's so bleak though, right? Like Mm -hmm. you expect good people to prevail and that's kind of what we're conditioned, like horror movies in some ways, especially slashers, which this is not, but a slasher can be very conservative, right? Like the people who are seen as moral are the people who survive and the people who are seen as immoral are the people who don't. Um, So that kind of- That's not how the world works though. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. But that's like, maybe that's like kind of the the roots yeah. of the filmmaker's depression is that like, the that reality is not a movie and good people don't always win and bad people don't aren't always vanquished. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, but that it's kind of a tangent, but uh, yeah, it's bleak. It's bleak. The only thing, Hyderberg, like you, the only thing I can really ding it for is that it's a really tough watch. It's like, you know, it's 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 not it's not a movie with a high rewatch factor but it is memorable as i said before mm-hmm. it sticks like i didn't feel right about saying like it fucks or it sucks it feels too like but it sticks i'm going to come in with a 9 out of 10 skin lotions nice so i uh that's how i feel about it i feel like um like the fact that you have to digest this film, it takes that while, like after you watch it, it sticks with you. Like that speaks on the film so highly, you know what I mean? Like, I agree. It's not I, an I, easy watch. And then it's not any, you got to digest it too. It's like, you're not, once you're done watching it, you're not done. You're no, still thinking no. about this film. Exactly. Yeah. Neither of you has said a negative about this movie though. No. I don't really have have you guys seen hard, this film? It's such a hard watch and, you know, not everybody should watch it. I agree with that. I, yeah. No, not everybody should watch this movie. It's it's hard. It's, when you when you said you picked it, John, I didn't think like, oh, God, I got to watch that fucking crap fest again. I just thought, <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I have to go through that mental like struggle. Like that I didn't pick it because again. I was like, you who let's watch martyrs again. You know, yeah. <laughs> like like for me, it was just more like. Let's do this. I mean. Again, it's I'm glad you picked it though. I am too. I'm really glad. I mean, Chef's Kiss. Yeah. And how many times have you guys seen this film? Yeah. So this actually this is kind of weird, and I hope you guys don't think less of me. You've seen it eight times. No, this was the second time I had seen it. I saw it around the time that it first came out on DVD, whenever Mm -hmm. that was. So what maybe 2009, I guess. So I would have been in like my late. 20s then and i don't know what the fuck was wrong with 20 something me but like i definitely watched it i know that i watched it i remember the fact that i watched it but i did not remember a thing about it and i don't remember being particularly affected by it and i'm so i i have this thing where like if i've seen a movie one time like two weeks later, I remember like nothing about like, there's no detail. So people are like, oh, have you seen such and such? Oh, remember the part where I'm like, nope. Yeah, I've seen it, but I don't remember that part. I know I only saw it two weeks ago. If I've seen it one time, I don't remember. It's as if I've never seen it. You hadn't had kids yet, right? At that point? I had not had kids yet. Yeah, I think that could be something that could have. Or Maybe so. That was definitely the case for a Serbian film. It didn't really affect me. I was like, well, whatever. But after having kids, I'm like, oh, fuck this. I feel but- like if you've been through something in life or had something happened or just like there's emotional stakes that you have in, in something in life that happened to you, like you'll get more out of a film like this, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think, think it might draw true. something out of you. 
And Jacqueline, I, I, I agree with you. I saw it in 2009. I think the one thing I remember was the killing scene in the house. Yeah. Like, mm. She's blowing away everybody. Mm-hmm. That Which was the like one the thing. Surface level all, stuff. It's all, I, it's always stuck out in my memory. Yeah. So. so so my thing is like, even though I don't remember anything about the movie after I've seen it, I do tend to remember how I felt about it. You know what I mean? Like, I can't remember the movie itself, but I just remember, oh, I liked it or I was sca- I found it scary or I found it sad or I found it boring. Right. But with Martyrs, for some reason, I had no recollection of like, there was like no emotional imprint whatsoever. So I don't know what was wrong with me then. I hope you don't think I'm a sociopath. But, um, but this time around, like, I, I, I'll go out on a limb and say, like, to me, this is the movie that I have spent the most time thinking about that we've covered on this show and like I think it's like the most indelible like I woke up the next morning I watched it on a Friday night before we were going to record and like the next morning I woke up and it was like the first thing I thought of (laughs) and I spent all day thinking and like I wanted to talk to Joey about it and like I was like oh I watched this movie and he just like wasn't I think Joey could have watched this film and gotten something out of it too had he just like 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 Anna let himself go and just transcend the suffering, the Joey. Just, just watch the film and suffer. Um, Let it go. Jacqueline, I also just want to really thank you for like, and this is what you bring to our podcast, is like what you mentioned, everything you brought to the the, the theory, your theory today about like this film. Definitely you brought certain things to light that like I hadn't thought about. And you had brought, you know, in our group text too, about like, you know, just like women being martyrs in general and like what you guys go through and just... I feel like this film definitely speaks on that, but I didn't pick up on all of that like my first time viewing it. So when I watched it this time and you had talked to me about it, like I definitely had that more on my mind and I started seeing more and more of that, you know, and I definitely think that like the filmmaker was definitely probably definitely making, a, a you know, and a metaphor for women's suffering and and how you guys put yourselves before anybody like you, you put other people before yourselves almost all the time. Agreed. I, I, I and I saw that too, and I, it, but I mean, it just didn't feel um, exploitative. No, not at all. I mean, at yeah, all. I think there's a lot of things this film could have done that would have made so it. Well. Yeah, that like would have made it more of an exploitation film, or made it like titillating, or made it like um, kind of glorifying violence. And I feel like it after putting thought into it, I. I I do feel like it really avoids all of that. And that's what makes me feel as positively about it as I do. But I had to kind of like untangle those knots for myself and kind of figure it out. So, but thank you for what you said, Hyderberg. And like, I mean, you guys are men, but I was, I was really excited to hear your interpretations of it too. Cause like male or female, we're all different and we all bring our own baggage and our own experiences to every mm-hmm. film. And sure. um, we all have unique takes on it. So I was, you know, I was, I was very curious to hear y'all's, opinion that's what i love about our discussions yeah yeah and not since thanks killing have i thought about a film (laughs) god oh my lord uh well would you guys like to hear some trivia about this film i'd love to hear some trivia i'm afraid to hear about trivia there's not a ton and it's don't worry it's not there's there's nothing really bad but um uh just really only a few things worth mentioning both of the actresses who played Lucy and Anna, apparently they stated in an interview that they would never again work with the director, Pascal Logier. Wow, uh, really? Yeah. Now, I did. Re- so I read an interview with um, Pascal Logier in Rue Morgue magazine, and I believe it was from like 
Oh, that's I don't right. know, maybe like December. Original. Sorry, what? You broke out your original uh, magazine that you had from oh, like yeah. that time. Yeah. Yes, it, it was. It had a cover story, like maybe a few months after it came out. I want to say maybe like January 2009 or something like that. But um, yeah, I have all my back issues dating back like maybe 15 years, but I still I still have them all. Um, so the interview the with. Yeah, that's my version of physical media. But uh, so in the director, I mean, in the in the interview with the director, he was kind of describing his like thought process and his feelings towards the actresses. And it sounds like the actress who played Lucy had a little bit of a harder time and they would like fight and kind of get on each other's nerves and had kind of a contentious relationship. But then there was like a little mini interview with the actress who played Anna. And she said like they definitely did not have a contentious relationship and it wasn't the kind of thing where like the director is trying to like really push the buttons of the actress to try to like really upset them and get their performances out of them. She said that their relationship was like really built on trust that they discussed ahead of time, like what Anna was going through and what it like the direction they were all going and what her character means and everything. So it sounds like that was a really healthy working relationship. I don't know so much about it doesn't sound so he might quite have had two different relationships with each. It sounds like that. It's, it sounds like there was a different dynamic between like they like, both play different roles in the movie. Maybe that was intentional, like a Stanley Kubrick sort of mind fuck or, you know, what I mean, like, hey, I'm going to be comforting with this one actress who who I need to be in that role. Mm-hmm. sort of, And then the other one who's suffering, I'm going to sort of treat her a little bit more. Maybe know, so. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I'm sure there's like, I, I think on the DVD, there's like a making of feature yeah. and I didn't get a chance to watch that. I just didn't get around to it. But if I do in the future, I'll just mention it on a future episode. But I, I would really like to see, like, you know, have more insight into how it was made and what those relationships were like. But the Lucy anyway, character seemed very, very, uh, I don't know, like uh, strong. Yeah, a lot, actually. Sorry, what'd you say? I said high strong. High strung. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But in, in any case, they both said that they would not work with him again. So oh boy. Yikes. Um, I think I already mentioned this. He he wrote the screenplay in a deep state of depression, bordering on suicidal, which is why the subject matter is what it is. Uh, the actress who played Anna broke three bones during the movie shoot and had to stay in Whoa. bed for six weeks. I wonder so what maybe so maybe it. that's why she won't work with him again. Yeah, that could have been it. Maybe he just cut some corners where she got hurt or something. Or he it's, demanded a lot. I mean, it seems hard to believe that she could go through. I don't know. I mean, like the choreography used in, you know, movie stunts and combat and fighting and violence and stuff. It's like it's so highly choreographed. That it's like I'm actually a little surprised that she got hurt. But we don't know how they do it in France. We don't. We don't. Interestingly, yeah. The actress who plays Lucy, she's half French and half Chinese. Her father is Chinese. Uh, she could have tripped on a frog leg or something that was on set from Crash oh, Harris. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, maybe, the maybe views expressed by Hydra Maybe she slipped on a snail. Do not reflect the views of everyone. The French eat frog legs and snails. And Crash Services probably would have had those things on site for lunch obviously they probably that was that's their typical again lunch. what jacqueline <laughs> said what hydroberg reflects has no reflection on a cut above horror review 
All right. Well, you need to make that statement every episode then because I you will. have to say something. I will. I will. I will. <laughs> anyway, that's all the trivia I've got. See, nothing like groundbreaking, but. No, it was still interesting, though, to figure yeah. out, to hear that there was like some tension on the set. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like they just don't want to work with him because like he demanded a certain like performance out of them that he got. Right. Like this mm-hmm. film is really well made. Right. And so maybe he was just very demanding of something and they were just like, I mean, it was a strenuous uh, yeah, just the plot, like the subject matter and everything is very strenuous. And, well, and Heisenberg, like you said, it could have been, been a lot to work on. It could have been Kubrick. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Kubrick. You, you know, pushing yeah. these people into this character. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I want you to feel suffering. So I'm going to make you feel suffering on set mm. in a way. Or maybe it was like less about his directorial style yeah. and more just about the kind of subject matter that he's drawn True. to. Like, maybe it's just, yeah. it's super it intense. It's a very bleak film. Maybe it's a very like, bleak set. I can see how an actress, like even if she was treated very well by the director, mm-hmm. might just not want to go there again. And how soon after his depression was he making this film still? You know what I mean? Like I, I don't even probably, know if it was after his depression. Yeah, like I he's think still he dealing with that. So it just might have been a real bummer to be on this set, period. But yeah. whatever it is, everybody put in their A game and and made a fantastic film. They did. Oh, well, uh, here's something I, I didn't mention. Sorry, in the trivia. Um this wasn't in the IMDb trivia, but I did read it in the Rue Morgue article that the artist who did the special effects, like all the gore and, you know, kind of body stuff, he committed suicide shortly oh after God. the film came out. Wow. So sounds Ooh. like he was really like a tortured person as well. But the director did say that, the, I fr- I'm sorry, I forget the special effect guy's name, but um, he did he did live long enough to see the completed film and that he was like very pleased with it and very proud of it and that he even like shed a tear that it that like worked it so well. Horrible. It I, look- I mean, I'm glad that he saw his work completed, but holy crap. I know. It looked fantastic, but yeah, that it is yeah. yeah, so there you go. More of a bummer. Debbie Downer. Wait, hold on a second. You ready to bring this up? Heidelberg, it's your pick next week. And we got my picnic. Please make us feel better. We are. uh, Please. I thought about bringing some levity by picking something light, but I thought we'd do some high art instead. Ah, so I I picked uh, the (laughs) the seminal classic Jason Goes to Hell, (laughs) which we will be reviewing with. uh, It's a banger of an episode. I'm going to already. I'm just going to say it right now. We haven't recorded it yet, but I'm just calling it right now. We're calling it. I'm calling my shots. We're having Steven and Leo from the Spoils of Horror podcast. Really? Review this. Yeah. This seminal classic. Jason Goes to Hell. One of the best Jason movies ever made. Up there with Jason X. Jason Goes to Space. I don't give a fuck about the movie. I'm just stoked that we're having Steven and Leo on. I've listened to their uh, podcast for a little while now. And um, I've talked to Steven mainly on social media a lot. Uh, We've become pretty good buddies, actually. Uh, we talk about our podcast and we, we exchange like information and advice about, you know, growing our podcast because they've they've come out around the same time of us uh, as us. And uh, they have a different format, but like we have a lot of the same uh, views and opinions on certain things. And, and the, the ones that vary, too, is just like we're able to mesh. still. like I gave them shit this weekend, like, hey, you guys did the uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. But hey, we, we did it first. <laughs> i'm sure they're but, like yeah, yeah no, they, they're, they're they're hilarious and I'm, I'm excited to have them on the show me too 
Yo, I am so excited. I've been listening to these guys for a while too. And first of all, I have to say, if you're not listening to Spoils of Horror, go listen to it immediately. Steven and Leo are so, so funny, but also yeah. like so observant and smart mm-hmm. in their in their discussion of the movies. It's not a review show. They basically just like break it down and discuss it like from beginning yeah, like to end and that. offer their opinions. But um it's it's such an entertaining show and the whole month of april was just like top notch i mean three of my personal favorites all in the same month they did blackula house of a thousand corpses and terrifier it's like i was i was in heaven this was like they did they were mention st- the trash bag that is they didn't go on a rant like i did but they did <laughs> well and the, the, I, I don't want to you know you should go listen to that episode yeah. yourselves but yeah. Um, but their complaint about the trash bag isn't that it's like, you know, supernaturally strong. It's more like it's just so fucking disorganized. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was more of an organization. <laughs> how can you find anything in there? But um, no, they were they were really speaking my language in uh, in the month of April. But seriously, it's a great show. So they're, they're good friends of ours. I am super jazzed to have them on the show next week. I can't wait to talk to them about Jason Goes to Hell. So Jason Goes to Hell. That's it for next week. So everybody go watch that. Join us back here to hear our discussion with the wonderful Stephen and Leo from Spoils of Horror. In the meantime, you can always email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Or you can follow us on Facebook, a cut above colon horror review, or give us those five-star ratings on Spotify or iTunes. Tell us what we can do better or what we're doing good, right? Absolutely. All right. So see you guys back here. Can't wait to talk about Jason goes to hell with y'all. What? What? We're doing that. Is that what the right movie? Is that what I said? Jason goes to hell. Okay. I'm just kidding. And keep doubting and keep it creepy.